Thank you for tuning in to our Bear Creek AG podcast. You are about to listen to our weekly Bible study with Pastor Tony. Thanks for joining in. Okay, well, if there's no questions, let's turn in our workbooks to Hebrews chapter 2. This is week 2 of the book of Hebrews. And I'm not going to take the time, because of time's sake, to rehash or go over last week's. You can always go on the podcast and um, listen to last week's again for review. For those who are listening by podcast, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, please, every once in a while, I believe you guys can comment on our Facebook page or, or, or the church app. But please, we'd like to know, get some feedback uh, from you, those who are listening by podcast tonight. Well, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, see if we can't finish chapter 2, start and finish it tonight. So let's jump right into it. This first verse, there's a lot of meat. We're going to spend quite a few moments on chapter, or verse 1 of chapter 2 here. So follow along with me. It says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, here in verse 1, the first of several warnings we're going to find in Hebrews. There's warnings that the writer gives us. This is the first one. Anytime the word therefore, anybody know what we should do when we see the word therefore? When you read the word therefore in Scripture, what are we supposed to do? Stop and look at what we're about. In other words, therefore, because of what was just said, this is here. Therefore, we're here because of what was just stated. Okay, so the question is, what in chapter 1 did the author, what was the main point we talked about last week? What was he covering last week to the reader in chapter 1? That's right. The superiority of Christ over over the law, or in other words, it's the New Testament, it's the new covenant, the new law of what Jesus came and proclaimed, and also the fact that His teaching is higher than what the angels, what they believe the angels. In other words, we don't worship angels, but they were into worshiping angels, and He said, that's not what we do. We don't worship the, 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 the methods or the means. We don't worship angels. We don't worship the worship. We don't worship the sacrifice. No, these are all part of who we worship, who are, which is Christ. So the point or the warning writer is, is right there in chapter 1. The scriptural fact of Jesus' superiority over the angels. The fact has life-changing application is why he says, therefore, because of this, we now have to consider the application. Because of what he said, what is the application? Because of this fact, what does the writer encourage us to do? In verse 1 of chapter 2, because of the fact that Jesus is superior superior to the angels, because of the new covenant is superior to the old covenant, what does he tell us to do right there in the first couple words of verse 1? Talk to me. What does he say? Look at verse 1. What does he tell us to do right there? Absolutely. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pay attention. We are to heed what? The things that Christ has already said. He is pointing to what Christ... Remember, we're dealing with Jewish Christians who are caught between the fact that one is they're no longer welcome in the synagogue. They're struggling with the way to worship because it's just like, uh, well, Brother Gerald, you and I were talking about the issue with Peter and circumcision or the early church of circumcision. They're dealing with the formality of worship rather than what Christ came to say. So they're struggling. They're being, hey, it's, it's just like if we had been raised in our denomination our whole life and then suddenly we realize, hey, there's a better way and we are having to change that. It would be a struggle for us. 
That's why some people have a hard time changing from one form of Christianity, a church, to, to another. That's why a lot of people have a hard time with like Pentecost, for instance. Why? Because they weren't raised in it like we are. And because they weren't raised in it, they're unsure of it. They're uncertain. They don't understand it. To them, it's different. And so when they come to our church and someone operates within the gifts, in particular, it has to do more with tongues and interpretation. They're not, it is not, they're not comfortable. Why? Because they're not used to it. It's, it's foreign to them. And so that's what he's dealing with here. And he's saying we need to pay close attention to the words of Jesus. The fact is, uh, matter of fact, excuse me, this fact will be, have further impact in the book as the writer continues to show the Christians that they should be following Jesus and not the law. They were still trying to follow law, the Mosaic law, and yet follow Jesus. And although you might can do it, it's very hard to do that. It's very hard to do that. All right. So what does play, pay closer attention? What does that imply when he says pay closer attention or pay, pay heed to it? What does that really mean? Let's put it in our most common terms, all right? What does that imply? Be serious. Be serious. Okay. How about this? How about obey? Take it to heart. Take it to heart. Absolutely, because we're about to get to that. He talks about drifting away. He's talking about absolutely take it to heart and to, to walk in obedience. Okay, so what does the writer say is the result or danger of not paying attention and obeying what has been what they have heard. What's the danger? You you drift away. What does that imply? Well, the ancient Greek phrase for drift away comes from the idea to slip away. Matter of fact, some translations literally use the word slip because that's what the implication is about. It's the idea of how many of y'all have ever had a had a boat on the river, on the water, somewhere, maybe on the Gulf, the bay, what have you, and and you didn't have it tied up, you just turned your back, and before you know the boat just it slipped away unbeknownst to you. In other words, it just gradually slipped away before you know, oh, it's out of reach. See, and that, that's the implication of, of what this is talking about, okay? It's, it's not anchored or tied to something. So Christians can drift away, right, from... Well, it, it is, in a way it is speaking. I think it is speaking the backslider here. It says because we can drift away from Christ due to apathy, right, or inattention to what Christ has said. Drifting away happens gradually on its own without much effort. It just happens. It's easy, isn't it? And, and, and maybe, maybe Mary Lou, maybe the, being in the state of backslidden is the ultimate um, slipping away. But the reality is, even with our relationship with Christ, we may not fall into a state of totally rejecting of God or walking away from Him, but we definitely slip if we're not careful. We don't pay close attention to Christ, to His Word, to our relationship. We have a tendency to drift away from Him, don't we? Brother Gerald? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think it, that along with prayer, I think with reading your Bible daily, I think with fellowshipping with people of like precious faith. I think I think the word I like to use, I think I think it has to be you have to see the importance of it and then let it be part of your practice or what you you do, your your deeds, your works, brother. Your lifestyle. Your lifestyle. 
And you're right, Brother Gerald. Church is a great example of that. Um, and, and by no means, I want to say coming to church makes you a believer or a follower. But it is an indication of your desire to, be a, to walk in obedience, which when you walk in obedience, this means you're walking after Christ, which gives the impression, like I preached for about four or five weeks, being close to Christ. But when we stop being close, usually, it, usually it's the lack of those disciplines that cause us to drift away. We're not as close. Like I said, I, I don't. I think the ultimate, the the far, the worst case scenario is is a state of backsliding. But I know people today who are, I, I don't think they're in a backsliding state, but they've drifted from Christ and they're and and they're living aimlessly right now, and and there don't seem to be a whole lot of purpose or fruit being born in their life. Okay, and and I and I think that's true. Just like there's some people who come to church that that's happening to them because they're not applying what's being said to their lives. So it really is a, the sense of staying... Well, I, I wrote this down. It's, it's the idea, uh, uh, the, the way we, we protect ourselves against drifting is to have Christ or His Word as both the anchor of our lives, but also the rudder of our lives, if that makes sense. We have to be anchored to something. It's Christ. Well, it is. How, how do we know Christ? It's His Word. He is the Word. The Word became flesh. So it's being anchored to His Word and then letting His Word be the rudder that directs and guides our lives. See? And, and I think that's how we prevent from drifting away. So the remedy is to pay careful attention to what we've heard. What we've heard refers to the message of the gospel. It refers to what Jesus has said, and today we have the whole New Testament. So it's, it's, it's paying attention to the New Testament, what we've heard, the gospel. And this message demands a response. How we respond to the message of the gospel determines our destiny. We forget that sometimes. And I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about fulfilling our destiny, our purpose here. Something that's in me right now that, that is really in my crawl, if I can use that term, is purpose. We're here for a purpose. So many people don't understand their purpose. And we have to, we have to understand we're here for a purpose. We need to take grounded in the Word of God, walk in obedience to it. And when we do, we will fulfill the destiny or the purpose that God has called us to. See? And life has more meaning. Like I preach Sunday. You don't need me to re-preach it. Right? Life has so much more meaning when we understand our purpose and we start making a difference in life. Life is fulfilling when we start making a difference. Okay? Any questions, comments before we move on? Our purpose changes, though, at that time. It evolves. Well, I mean, it, it depends on circumstances also that you're in. I mean, the purpose for Jim was there for his eye, yet the purpose ended up being a reaching out. Well, sure, because there's a broad purpose. Be light, be salt. But even within that... Let me frame it this way. That that wasn't his unique purpose. That was a broad purpose we're all called to do. But Brother Jim has a unique purpose as well that God's called him to. Part of that is being, at this point in time, is being a a leader in our church, teaching a Sunday school class. I mean, those are are the things. That is a purpose. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's kind of a broad stroke. The umbrella being salt and light. Being led of the Spirit, being obedient, stepping out in faith and talking to somebody out of fear of rejection or what have you. But even that, I think purpose has to, has to get... You have a purpose outside of church, but Brother Gerald, you have a purpose inside of church too. And the purpose you have inside of church, can I be honest with you, is what brings you back to church every week. It is. 
And that's what I'm saying. If we can get everybody in our church to, to find their purpose within this church on Wednesdays and Sundays and Mondays or whatever day of the week it is, or teaching a small group, whatever it is during the week, that's what brings people back. That's what brings everybody back. See, it's those who don't have a purpose on Sundays that are the ones who are, are cavalier about their attendance. Why go? I don't have a purpose. Well, part of it is to hear the word to worship, but also having a ministry or purpose. But you also have a purpose outside of church. See, absolutely. See, and, and, and so that's it. That when, when we discover what that is, life makes more sense. See, the struggle that high schoolers have when they graduate from high school and go to college or when they graduate from college and work into the, uh, going into the business field is more so between high school and college. I know because right now I'm dealing with my, my youngest son. Uh, and I'm going to be preaching on depression Sunday morning. I'm working on a message on depression Sunday morning. So part of this is in my, my spirit because of the fact that one of the points I'm going to make is people who struggle with depression are usually people, part of the reason, one of the reasons we struggle is when you, you don't know what your purpose is. And right now, he's, I don't say he's dealing with depression, but some of it is depression. He probably wouldn't like for me to say that, but he's not, he's not clinically diagnosed. But he's, Why? Because he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. He's going to school. He's studying, but... The, 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 the degree, he doesn't have any clear idea of what is my purpose in life right now. He has a broad stroke. I know I'm here to serve God. I'm, I'm here to what have you. And so I'm trying to help him understand, okay, you may not know what you're going to do when you get this degree. Get the degree and let God order your steps. But he struggles with that, and a lot of young people do that. A lot of people, when they go from retirement, we're never going to finish chapter 2 tonight, but I think that's okay. I've just got to go with the Spirit. A lot of us who go from, from retirement, from a career to retirement, we have the same thing. A lot of retired age people, the first year to two years, they struggle with depression. At first it's not, it's like, hey, I'm free, I can go, but you know, you can only take so many trips, you're on a fixed income, you can only do so much. You know, and for long it's like, okay, well, I wake up in the morning, I used to have a purpose. I'd get up and I'd, I'd go here to work, and that was my purpose, at least in the world. And then suddenly they don't have purpose, and until they just re until Brother Gerald, your point well made, their purpose has changed. At least that part of the life has changed. They got to discover what their new purpose is in a more narrowed, drilled down definition. So, yeah, it's important that we understand what we're here for. Verses two. Through four, for since the message declared by angels, going back to angels, proved to be reliable. Okay, so the message the angels gave is, is, is reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a, a just retribution. All right, he's giving clues what, to us what he's talking about. They knew what he was talking about. How shall we escape from neglecting, or how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Great question. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So the word spoken through angels. What do you think He's describing there? What's He talking about there? They knew it. What, what, is, the, what is the word spoken by angels? Or through the angels? God's will. God's will? How about this? It is God's will, but he's really talking about what are they struggling with? Law and, and grace through Christ. He's talking about the law here. He said the, 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 the law, the word, the message that the angels, well, the angels didn't give them the law, but they did. 
They believed, you can look in several scriptures, they believe that God is the, is the orator, He is the creator of the law, but it was given to Moses, although God had an encounter. Moses couldn't see God. He couldn't, remember, he, he couldn't touch God. He couldn't see God. So they believe, and, and I, there's, there's scripture that supports it, that the angels actually delivered the Ten Commandments, the law, to Moses here. And they said that was a great message, that was a great law, and when you didn't, when you didn't obey it, there, there was ramifications to it. That's, that's what he's saying right there. There were, there were consequences. When we, every transgression or disobedience received its just retribution, there was punishment when you walked in disobedience to it, okay? But it was given by God, although it was delivered by the angels. Therefore, it was reliable. And guess what? It should be taken seriously, he's saying here. He's not undermining the law here. It should be taken serious and obeyed. There's no escape from it. But now he talks about the gospel. He says, if we must take the word which came by angels seriously, if you're going to take the law, the Ten Commandments that was delivered to you by angels from God, if you're going to take that seriously, then we must take the word that came by the Son of God even more seriously. Okay, does that make sense? I'm trying to help you understand the background to why he's... Because Hebrews, if you're not careful, it can get a little confusing because he's writing to people who understand what he's talking about, but we don't fully... We're not Jewish. We didn't grow up in that time period, in that era. And, and we're not necessarily experts in the law, so to speak, okay? We're more experts in grace. <laughs> Brother Jim? Jesus is always referred to as the Word. Yes. Well, he, he, he did, but the, what did he bring? He brought the new covenant. He fulfilled the old covenant. He didn't do away with it. And that's not, that's not what the author's saying. He, he fulfilled it. But the new covenant is greater than the old covenant. Nobody can add to the word of God or take from it, right? Only, nobody can only God can add to his word. And this is what he's doing. He's adding. He's saying, look... This is the way it was, and that's what the author's saying. This is the way it was. Those, then the message that the angels delivered, the, the Old Testament, the law, it's good. But how much greater is what Christ has done for us and brought to us? See, Remember, they're struggling. Well, do I go back and do I offer sacrifice for my sins? Do I, do I have to come bring a fellowship offering? Do I, do I need to honor all these festivals? See, this is what they're struggling with. I'm being rejected. Matter of fact, I can't even go into the temple now and worship unless I follow the protocols. And man, that temple, that's the place to worship. That's the only place to worship. Oh, no, no, no. You're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, and he's dealing, I don't want to say with legalism or tradition, but he's dealing with the way they were programmed to believe and to worship. It wasn't wrong. It's just, I hate to say obsolete, but in a way it's obsolete because what Christ came and did. He died, so there had to be no more shedding blood. See? And so therefore, the message that Jesus brought through His life, through the words that He taught, through the dying on the cross, rising again, it should, what? It should be taken just as seriously, more seriously, and not disregarded. Okay? 
Now here he talks about neglect. The word for neglect means to make light of. Mary Lou kind of mentioned this earlier about not taking it seriously or not taking it hard or to pay no attention to. It's the same word that describes the reaction over in Matthew 22 for time. We won't go there. But over Matthew 22, Jesus gives the parable of the marriage supper, the wedding supper. He remember, he sends out the servant. Go invite everybody. You know, go, go invite all these people. And the, the scripture says, but in verse 5 says, but they paid no attention and went off one to his farm and another to his business. In other words, these people, they, they, they took the invitation lightly. They heard the invitation. They took it lightly and they didn't pay attention to the invitation and the supper, okay? They recognized the invitation but ignored the invitation. That's what it means by neglect. And he says, how can we neglect ignore, not take to heart what Jesus has brought to us, what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus said to us. Is this making sense? Okay. All right. So we dare not take what? Salvation lightly. He says it's a great salvation. It's a neat word. It's a great salvation. I wonder sometimes if we really understand what Jesus has done for us or is doing for us. It is a great salvation. We are saved by a great Savior, aren't we? We're saved from a great penalty of death, aren't we? We're saved by a great cost. It took the life of Jesus to, to save us. So we dare not take it lightly or ignore the salvation that we have. Brother Gerald? Absolutely, yes. We go through the motions sometimes, don't we? Whether it's uh, what Brother Gerald was bringing up, and you know, we talked about respect and formality and and tradition. But you know, whether it's uh, we we like our freedom, and I believe in freedom. But when the Word of God's read, are we attentive to what's being read at the time? See, uh, things like that. When it comes time for worship, are we really attentive to the worship? Not the form. Not whether you stand or sit, kneel or fall prostrate. Not whether you come to the altar or not. We're talking about do, you, do we really take that time that we have together in, in worship and we, do we take it seriously? Do we really engage the Lord? See, And um, yeah, do we take it seriously? Do, do we realize that the God that we come to learn about and to worship and praise, He is a real God. He, do we truly grasp, we may not understand, but grasp the best we can that He truly spoke everything into existence? He's a great God. And He's provided a great salvation for us. Do we take our salvation seriously? See. Mm -hmm. Someone did a study recently and did a calculation. It's probably just a wild guess, but anyway, there are approximately 10 to the 27th power of atoms in a person's body. Yep. In other words, if you write 10, 
Absolutely. Yeah, and like we said last week in chapter one, he is the sustainer of that. He, he holds it all together and makes it function. He spoke it into existence, and even today, it's doing exactly the way he designed it to operate. And it's, it's amazing. Brother Joey? I'll come back to you, Brother John. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go by you. What is, what is a rerun? I'm sorry, say that again? Our president, right now. Oh, yes, I got you. He's yes. He's already seen it. He's already seen he it. Knows, he knows that is. Absolutely. And our mind can't even comprehend it. But what I was really thinking about, you can't change a rerun. No, right. It's already said. And we expect God to change things that are said sometimes. Mm hmm. It's a domino effect. That's right. Uh, it gets extremely complicated when you, when you start thinking about well, and the things. Absolutely. It has to be changed if you change one thing. Absolutely. And uh, he's not doing it. No. It's already said. That's I it. Say, our president that, that we carry so much is nothing but a rerun of him. It's already been played. Absolutely. It's good. John, you had a question or comment? Yeah, I want to share a vision I had. Um, trying to get through. I, um, you know, uh, during during a time where the Hebrews were having to do all they had to do when they had the law and mm -hmm. to approach the temple. Yeah. And all that. You just said it well, Bill. You said our bodies are the temple. Absolutely. Yeah. Envisioning this and talking to God, and God said, "You are to live with heart, just as if the holy of holies are in you right now." Absolutely, because it is absolutely. So we take for granted. Mm -hmm. Come on, that preach. Our bodies are the temple of God. Yeah. And we thank you, Lord. I don't have to do what the Jews did to prepare. That's right. To do all that. That's right. But that's why we do take it off for granted. We don't have to. Absolutely. But how much more knowing that should we be careful how we treat our bodies and our minds and our spirit and what we let in our lives? Absolutely, Brother John. The same way that they respected that physical temple and that whole and all the detail they went in, not out of legalism, but out of love and respect for the fact that God dwells in us, we should do same with our with our bodies where we go what we listen what we view what we do how we take care of ourselves body mind and spirit absolutely absolutely so so the writer is asking how can we escape 
unpunished if we miss or neglect the most gracious means of salvation, which is what Christ did for us. The law was great, but what Jesus did and provides for us is so much better than what the law provided for them. See, and that's the point he's making. If there was no escape under the rigid law, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? There's no door of mercy left open for those who, neg who neglect salvation. See, there is none. If you neglect salvation, if you don't receive salvation, there's no hope for you, right? But we, when we do, we are to hold it, we are to embrace it, we are to love our salvation and respect it. Okay, so what do you think, why do you think so many neglect their salvation? We've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but why do you think so many people neglect their salvation? Just throw some answers out there. Brother Jim? In the world, absolutely. They can't, they can't seem to let go. Yeah, it's it's the you know this is a very biblical term, but it's the it's the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life, which is the nature of the flesh. Mary Lou. Yeah. Thank you for listening. But you're no, you're right. It's absolutely right. What else? What else do we neglect? Why? I mean. I mean, I'm not looking for any particular. I'm going to give an, an idea, but I, I want you guys to engage it. Brother Gerald? So often you will hear uh, a person say, well, I'm a good person, therefore mm. God won't turn me away. Yeah. And I've talked to quite a few Jewish people who say, because I'm a Jew. Because I'm a Jew, absolutely, yeah. I mean, just because, and they will say that. Yeah. Absolutely. Most people think to me, I'm a good person, God's going to not turn me away. But we know it's not based on our merit, is it? It's based on His grace. We just have to receive it. Absolutely. But just think about, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. Think about what the word salvation literally means. It means to be saved from something, doesn't it? All right? And see, what happens is, I think, is that uh, we look, so many times people look at salvation as just something they receive, but not as being rescued from something, if that makes sense. We look at something we receive, we do receive it, but we neglect the idea that it's there to actually rescue us from something. You know, it's, I, this image came in my mind as I was doing this on Monday. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all been on a cruise or what have you, but you know, on a cruise, they got their mustard stations, which is where everybody has, a, where, depending on where your room is, a place that you report to should there be some reason to abandon the ship, some major catastrophe. And in every one of the cabins there, depending on how many people are rated for the cabin, there's a life jacket. And before every cruise, when you get on there, they have a mustard test. And you have to go to your station, and you have to have your life jacket with you. They want you to. At least one of the cruises I went on to, they did. And one time they didn't. You know what? We have no appreciation for that life jacket. Until you need it. Until you need it, right? And so, in a way, it's, we need to live our lives, or at least approach our salvation with, with this great salvation that Christ provided for us with His death, we need to look at it, the fact that the, it, it, 
I need to nourish this relationship because it is actually rescuing me from not just hell for myself, for me not being having purpose in life. Think about all the things that your relationship with Jesus rescues you from today, not just when you take your last breath. There's a lot there. Brother Gerald, you had a comment or question? Yes. In the last three or four newscasts about people being killed in traffic accidents, they were not wearing seatbelts. Right. Or they got ejected from their car. Why? Because they weren't wearing their seatbelt. People say, well, I have a choice. But yet, they died because they didn't yeah. use their life vest. Right. As either seatbelt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, I think we need to see um, our need for salvation every day. It doesn't mean I'm lost. I'm not talking about, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a pastor's home in a Pentecostal church. And I don't know about y'all, but every Sunday I got saved again because I felt like, and it was actually taught that when you sinned, you were in a backslidden state and your relationship with God was severed, which that's not the way it works. So every Sunday I was getting saved. Right. Uh, but I think in a way it's, it's not that, but in a way we need to every day, we need to value our salvation and see our need for salvation every day. Right, Jim? Yes. That's why we got to hang on to what Jesus taught. That's why he says what Jesus taught is not about the legalism. That's what they were dealing with. I, I, on the Sabbath, I've got to go. I've got, uh, I've, I've got to make sacrifice for atonement of my sins every, every year. I, I've got to, you know, if I, if I fall into sin, then I've, I've got to go do another one. I, I want to have the, the peace offering. And, and, and he's saying, it's right. It's, it's not about that. That was the form in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled the law. Now it's about being in a relationship with God through Christ. And you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to the temple. You are the temple. You don't have to make sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. What a great salvation. They were, we're even saved from the formality of religion. Let's see. But they were also in a bind, though, because when you got excommunicated from the temple, you were excommunicated from the, the society. Society, you probably couldn't. Your family probably rejected you. If they didn't convert to Christianity, you could have lost your job. If you was a business owner, people wouldn't shop in your shop or buy you know, in your shops, your stores. Absolutely. There was a, and that's the reason why you see even Peter coming and talking about the suffering. But what great, hey, count it all joy. Suffer for the cause of Christ too, for the testimony of what Jesus has done. That's valuing your salvation. That's valuing what Christ has done for you. They don't want to pay the price. Who wants to be rejected? I don't. He goes on to say that the quality of the message of salvation is shown by the stamps and seals that God has placed on it. God, God approves of this. And when you look at that, all three persons of the Trinity are in there, contributing to the preaching of the gospel, the message of Christ. God sent His Son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Okay? God testified and confirmed the message of the gospel. He performed many signs and wonders and miracles through the apostles. These were tokens used by God to what? To attest to the truth of what Jesus had proclaimed. God also distributed the gifts of the Holy Spirit among the believers. 
He gives the gifts to His children just as He determines. Thus God added His stamp of approval on the proclamation of the gospel by the first Christians. This is your proof. Jesus is the Son of God. God sent Him to save the world, right? God approved of it. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He even, he even gave the gift of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended into heaven. These are all stamps. God approved, and that's what He's trying to say. He said, look, God approves of this. He put a stamp of approval on it, okay? Now, we are at 7.19 on the clock. I don't know if we're going to have much time to go much farther, because I don't want to... Ma'am? Yes. Yeah. I feel like if you have it every day, you're going to have that joy. It is, because Mary, you're right, because as a pastor, this is what I see, okay? And I'm preaching to the choir tonight, because you guys are here on, everyone of y'all here on Sundays, you're here on Wednesdays, some of y'all come on Monday nights to prayer, and some of y'all go to other things during the week, so I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the, the, my joy, and my, my joy is found in a day-to-day -day walk with the Lord, and if I walk day-to-day -day with the Lord, and I, and I value my relationship, my, my salvation with Him, then when the hardships come, when the difficult times come, because they come, you will have trouble in this world. Jesus proclaimed that. You're going to have tribulations. But when they come, I already have that relationship, and I've already seen how God's done in the past, I have my trust and my faith in Him, and I just I, and I know He orders my steps. I may not like it. I can, I can be thankful, not for all things, but in all things I can be thankful because why? I know whatever I'm going through, God is going to see me through it. Whether it's a trial to build my faith, a testing, or whether it's an attack of the enemy, God's going to protect me. I, and because of that, but those folks who the only time they run to God is when they're in a bind. Yeah, he, he, he is that life jacket at that point, so to speak. It's fire escape, absolutely. And that's the problem. I mean, can I be honest? There's, there, there's been times in my life prior to ministry where uh, I didn't have a close walk with God, and I was that person. I mean, I went to church, because you can go to church and still be that kind of person. But I was young and ambitious and just out there conquering the world, taking the world by the tail. And my walk with God was not a daily fellowship with the Lord. It wasn't. I wasn't lost. I just wasn't mature. Come on. And, and so that's, and I had struggles, but through those struggles, I, you know what? God finally knocked me upside my head and got my attention. I need that daily interaction and walk with Him because that's where my joy, I, I find joy in the fact that, come on, Satan. Now, I'm not going to say I like it when attacks come or things happen, but I know that it's a season. The season. God's already won the victory. I also find joy in knowing I'm fulfilling the plans God has for me. Can I be honest with you? That's my joy, knowing that I have purpose and I'm making a difference. I mean, back to my message on Sunday. I find joy in that.
All of us. We're a billboard, absolutely. And we carry the pulpit in front of us. Yep. And it's not, it's better than paint. Um, because it's the, the we, as Christians, we are called to be ministers of the gospel. Christians throughout the world. We are. Brother Ben? Mr. Tony, I think we get like the uh, flight that went down the Hudson River. All of the people heard take your seat cushions. When you saw them on that wing, they didn't have their seat cushions. That's true, yeah. We as Christians get comfortable. Mm. We listen to the warnings, we listen to all the signs, and then we move out on the wing without anything to keep us afloat. Yeah, it's a good We're analogy. We're holding on to God like we used to. Absolutely, you're right. Top of that list. But if we would just remember that we're going to solve those seat cushions, yeah. God still gave that seat cushion to us. Absolutely. He still gave us that salvation that we can hold on to. We do. And that's why that is such a great and precious salvation. If you get nothing out of this first part of chapter 2, know that the salvation you have, it costs Jesus a pretty high price, a great price. It's delivering us from a great punishment. But that's what makes it such a great salvation. And we should not devalue that. Take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. And listen, if it's that valuable to us, Brother Gerald, just to, re just to reinforce your point, then we ought to be sharing it with people. We ought to be sharing it. Brother Joey? No, you know what? You can have a boat. You can have the gear. You can have the glasses. You can have the GPS. You can have all that. But if you don't ever get in the water, you're not a fisherman. You're playing the part, but you're not actually a fisherman. Absolutely, see. And boy, don't we do that sometimes, don't we? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, I don't want us to walk out here beat up. But that's and that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to to tell the the, the reader, the Jews here. It's a great salvation. The salvation in the New Testament isn't greater than the salvation in the Old Testament, but it is complete in the New Testament. The Old Testament wasn't a complete salvation. They didn't actually get into the presence of the Lord until Jesus died on the cross, ascended in the shul. See my point? Yeah, he completed it. He, that's why I said he didn't come to abolish it. He came to perfect it or to complete it or, or to make it whole. See? And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying. Like I said, it gets more because he's going to talk about, we know we, eventually we're going to get to the chapter of the, of the faith. The faith, you know, it talks a lot about faith, but you know the heroes of faith. I mean, he's building up to this and he's going to talk about those folks and their faith. It isn't about the ritual. It isn't about the motion or going through it. He, he says, no, it's, he's going to get to where it's the heart. And this is, this is the evidence of what you believe is is. is, is, is the way you live your life. Anyways, I'm getting way, way ahead of myself there. So, any other questions? Like I said, it's uh, we got four minutes until the class is over. There's no way we can cover the rest of this material. If you're all right with that, I I knew the first couple of verses would probably be pretty involved. We will finish it up next week, and I'll also have part of chapter three ready. So I don't want to rush through this. If you guys are okay with that, I'd like to do a chapter a week, but I don't want to just rush through it. All right, and um, I really. In the same way we did Amos, yeah. There's a couple of chapters there. Yeah. Well, it also depends, and I don't want to shut down discussion. It also depends on your interaction, but I want you to interact. 
But I want you guys to do me a favor next week. Can y'all do me a favor? Go ahead and read ahead. Do a little studying. This is just like going back to school. I want to treat this class like that, okay? If you come prepared to discuss, and you might see something that maybe I don't. But also would like for y'all next week to sit a little bit closer. Now that our group is smaller, okay? Remember what it was like when we was in the fellowship hall? Everybody, oh, we love the fellowship. Well, let's just pretend this is the fellowship hall. And let's just get within the first... I know we need to socially distance, physically distance, not socially. And if we get more, we can do that. And I, and I get that. So if nothing else, maybe sit on both sides. I'm okay if you sit on both sides and spread out. I just like to like to, to to engage you a little bit. It helps me out a lot. Plus, I can see you better. I can, you know, I'm not saying who just raised their hand. So okay. Well, let me pray over you and uh, send you on your way tonight. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word, Lord. Uh, it truly does build our faith, brings life to us, God. And, and I'm so thankful, Lord. I thank you for what we discussed tonight, Lord. I'm thankful, Father, may I never take for granted the salvation that is afforded for me, that's been provided to me, Lord. May I never, may I never wear it on my sleeve it's as if it's something I've done or accomplished, but Lord, also may I not disgrace it and, and bring shame to you, Lord, by not valuing what you, you provide for me, Lord. Jesus truly did suffer. Father, He did. I know He suffered and He truly died for me to provide for me a, a way to have an intimate relationship with You. God, may I, may I take advantage of that, Father, and, and, and every day cherish my relationship with You, the salvation provided to me. Now, Lord, keep us safe as we head home tonight, God. May we be safe on the roads that are wet. Lord, protect us, God. And, and Lord, tomorrow may we live out our salvation before those we come into contact with, God. And I thank You for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.